Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Pass the Post, Sunday, July 3rd, and they certainly do take racing ownership to the next level. A lot of the Archer Park owners were enjoying the day out at the Sunshine Coast yesterday. Uh, no winners there, unfortunately, but uh, nevertheless, they had a, a great day. And, of course, you can be part of Archer Park Racing. Just go to their website, archerparkracing.com.au. You'll see all the horses for sale. You can buy as much as you want in them or as little as you want in them, but all the details are there. And, of course, they've got the leading trainers. Well, making a cameo appearance this morning, Ben Dorries. Good morning. How are you? I'm back, baby. You couldn't get rid of me, eh? You tried no. to get rid of me, but I'll come back. I tried, I tried. You did your best. Now, I didn't see you yesterday. I'm sort of divorced upstairs where I'm in the broadcast box. But, look, we had a, a gloomy day at the Sunshine Coast. There was no sunshine. But uh, it seemed, despite the weather, it was a good atmosphere there. The crowd seemed pretty good and they were on their toes. Yeah, I felt a bit sorry actually driving up to the Sunshine Coast uh, for the club up there. They just can't get a, an even break with the weather. I think it's rained uh, that meeting every years since I think Winks um, won the Guineas in 2015. But having said that, it wasn't like there was heavy rain during the day. It was just annoying rain. And there was a surprise, considering the rain, there was a surprisingly good crowd there and a really good sort of bit of a party atmosphere. It was terrific, yeah, I thought. I, I actually came down after the last and um, they were really rocking and rolling by that, by that point of the day. But the crowd seemed good. Of course, the last two races run under lights. That sort of adds a bit of emphasis, emphasis to the day. But you're right. Um, we started at a heavy eight. We went down to a heavy nine retrospective in the first race, and then during the day, a heavy 10. I think some jockeys that I spoke to thought it might have been almost a heavy 12. So it was a very heavy track, but I think we were lucky there wasn't heavy rain during the day. Yeah, and I think it played fairly, didn't it? I mean, and the trainers, uh, there was horses coming out throughout the day, late scratchings with the track downgrade. So you, you basically knew... Uh, by those main races, if you if you the horse that you'd backed was running, there was a fair chance it handled the wet. Otherwise, it would have it would have come out. So look, it was a heavy track, but it wasn't sort of like a, a Sydney heavy, was it? It was sort of horses were getting through it okay. Uh, there was no real disadvantage. You didn't want to be hard up against the fence, I guess, but there was no real disadvantage to, to sort of be anywhere during the run. No, I didn't think. And I, I think putters are happy if they they know what they're getting. And uh, even though it might be, you know, a heavy 10, but at the Sunshine Coast, you know what you get. That rail's true on Saturday meetings. Generally, four or five away from the that inside part isn't used. And it was quite clear yesterday, I was having a look at the track later in the day, that, that patch from rail to four out was pristine. And then there was that, you know, heavy traffic area. But that's where they come, on the crowd of the track, or maybe one, one, one side either of it. And, as I said, I think putters knew what they expected, and uh, and there it was. There was a mixture of results, some some well-fancied runners, some roughies winning, but certainly there were open races. We're going to discuss the Sunshine Coast in detail now. Of course, the last meeting of the, the carnival, and uh, we, we race at Dooman next Saturday with three races that have been carried over from that uh, postponer abandoned meeting of Dooman Cup Day. So still a good card at Dooman next Saturday, but officially the carnival ended yesterday. The group race was the Group 3 Wigs Guineas. Let's have a listen to the replay. Battledon was the favourite, but they gambled with him. 
It's indiscreetly outside of battle and they're matching motors. Majestic Colour about to try and join in, coming after the leading pair. Then came Whitewater emerging to fourth. Tarek's head of the others and Lovin to come at big odds down the outside. Battle and he has to lift because Majestic Colour went to him and went straight by him in one fell swoop. And soon afterwards, Ormond went for home on Majestic Colour. He looked home. Whitewater went to second. Tarex runs on. But Majestic Colour with 100 metres to go is well clear of his rivals and he'll rev up the guineas and win it easily. A horse who's gone through his classes and takes group three today. Beats home Tarex in second. Rage in third. Whitewater fourth. Champagne pop from the back. Battled and knocked up. Then came Notions. Indiscreetly weakened as well. Then Rose of Dewport followed by Prince Alby. Well back Lovin to Quo. Collet Spirit. Then came Master Marco and Seabrings Rose last bar one. Ashgrove tailed off in a gallop of 141.53. Majestic Colour winning the race. Kelly Schweder training and Jimmy Orman, who leads the, the premierships, was the winning rider. And Kelly's joining us as our first guest on Past the Post. Kelly, once again, good morning. Only a week ago we were talking to you after Eagle Farm and you've, you've struck gold yesterday. Yeah, I like talking to you on a Sunday morning. I always like talking to you. Can I say one thing? In this training business, there's obviously ups and downs, uh, pitfalls and, and good things along the way. But this horse in particular, or this assignment, let's call it that, you must be highly satisfied. You produced him in a maiden at an Eagle Farm in early May. He won. He went to a Class 1 at Ipswich. He went to a Class 2 at Doomman. Bit of a step up yesterday, Group 3 against the three-year-olds, and he's coming through that with flying colours. So it's been a wonderful preparation. Yeah, and um, Judy Warnless bred the Stuller and you know, the Warnless family are, are very patient. He's a big, tall fellow, good sort of a horse. They've just taken their time and allowed me to take my time in. That's the, the beauty of it. And um, he had a couple of runs early in his sort of campaign and, he, you know, he was big and sleeping a lot. So we just tipped him back out and he's he's come through um, with flying colours. He, he's just, as you say, he's progressing in the right way. He's exciting, isn't he, Kelly? And he looks like, I mean, obviously being a so you think and, and what have you, he looks like he would eat up 2,000 metres. So that gives you plenty of options for the future, doesn't it, in terms of, you know, where and how you place him? Yeah, like um, you would think he'd run 2,000. Um, <clears throat> he can handle wet, which is a big uh, asset nowadays. I mean, you know, most of the tracks um, from sort of February till June have been wet lately, so... Yesterday in running, you know, you, you you sort of, you know, on a normal track, your skin would be crawling, being three and four wide. But on, on a on a heavy track, um, Jimmy was trying to get in, couldn't, so he just let him be comfortable. Look, it was a good effort. Watching the video, the second horse was a good effort too. He was three and four wide, um, but all he can do is win, and he's progressing in the right way. What about uh, this horse's action? I, I must admit, the day he won a Dooman. I was watching the replay, and um, his, his action caught my attention. And Michael Maxworthy mentioned this as well when we were previewing the meeting yesterday. Just tell us about, uh, for people who you know aren't as accustomed to understanding the, the, the thoroughbred, what, why is his action different, or what is different about his action to, to, to a normal action of a horse? And before you go, I might teach all mine to, to, to yeah. have his action, I think, the way he's going. Um, yeah, look, he sort of climbs, I suppose. Um, but each run is getting better. I don't know why horses do that. Um, when we're working and we might put plates on the front and, and shoes on the back trying to, to teach them to sort of level out a bit. But I suppose it's just in his makeup. 
I think each run is getting a little bit better. Certainly yesterday, I didn't notice it as much stable. Whether it was a heavy track, I don't know. But I think he's getting early days in his first trial, and he was yeah, it was really pronounced. You could really sort of see it. But I thought he was better yesterday. As I say, I'm not sure whether it was a wet track, and and you know he seems to dig into the ground and, and he covers the ground. He's such a, a tall sort of horse, and he's very athletic. I thought he probably looked as good as he looked yesterday. Kelly, you've had a fat end to the uh, Winter Carnival, haven't you? I mean, with this horse, horses like Tyressa and London Banker, uh, it's been a real fill-up for you at the end of the Carnival. I think pretty much the only two horses you haven't won with are the two that I backed a couple of weeks ago, but uh, yeah, that's, another, that's another story. But it's, it has really been a strong strong finish. You must be delighted just with the, the, the last few weeks. I, I, I certainly am, but that means I had a lean run early. Um, <laughs> and, and if you could do me a favour and don't back my horses. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, look, winning the Cats Cup for uh, Ron and Judy was great. Put a lot of work into that horse. I, I don't think he got through London Bank. He got through the track yesterday. You, you sort of plan these things sort of 12 months in advance and you don't allow for the wet weather. But uh, Jimmy Byrne was following London Bank and he thought he was just plowing, trying to plough through the heavy going. But Tyressa was good last week. Um, yeah, look, you've got you've to get some of this Saturday prize money. The visitors get too much. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Again, you, you touched on this before, and I'm always interested in this because for people like ourselves who read form guides and study videos, and that's basically what we do, we don't get involved in the hands-on side of things, but I'm always interested in asking a trainer the development between one preparation and the next, particularly the first preparation and the second preparation. Now, this horse had two runs in December. He debuted on a heavy tent at Doom and ran second, then he was midfield at the Sunshine Coast. I had a look at him just, you know, again, on the form and on the video and said, well, he's a, you know, a pass-mark maiden and then probably forgot about him because he went for a spell. But between December and when he returned in May, did this horse develop a lot? Yeah, look, he was always tall, David, but, I mean, I think it's more typical of the breed. Um he was sleeping a lot. We just wanted to educate him, um, just try and get his action a bit better. But, yeah, look, I think it has a lot to do with the breeding of the horses. Some of them just take time and they just need to mature, you know. It's just like like school kids, I suppose. Some of them are ready to run when they're 13 or 14 and the other ones sort of get going a bit later, you know. Um, it, it's all in their um, sort of attitude to, to um, how do I put it, sort of mature up. He was he was never going to run in an 800-metre race at, 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 um, at Ipswich, this type of horse. He, he was always going to take time, and you just got to have the owners to, to give him the time, and I'm lucky enough to have that. Cal, what, um, I mean, effectively yesterday marked the end of the Winter Carnival. Outside of you know, your achievements and what you've done, you're a keen observer of racing. What was your sort of highlight? I mean, Queensland had a very good Winter Carnival with you know, Desley Forster and, and the last winning Group 1s. Was there something that stood out for you with this, with this Winter Carnival? Oh, look, I'm just stoked that, that Desley can win a Group 1. That was the first Group 1. And, you know, Robbie Hughescoat winning that winner's stakes the other day. I mean, they're the, the, the Queensland trainers that put a lot of work in, you know. Um, we know we're up against it when all the visitors are coming, especially the mostly set weight races. So all that, they all get in good, those visitors. So for us to win as many as we did, I think we've done pretty well this year. Uh, and um, yeah, that, that, they're the highlights for me for for the Queenslanders that are you know 
I'm sort of there with most of them of a morning and I know how hard they all work. Well, all trainers work hard and all staff, but especially the Queenslanders are winning them races. I want to ask you a broader question before we let you go. Last Saturday, in fact, no, sorry, yesterday was marked the, the start of the increased prize money across the board. So a Metropolitan Bread and Butter race in Sydney is now worth $150,000. We're still sitting on $75,000, so the gap has increased. Do you see that as a concern going forward, that that gap has, has got a little bit larger? Oh, for sure, David. We've got to catch up, you know. Hopefully, um, you know, they, they put the point of consumption tax up. We've got to get a fair bit of it. Otherwise, you know, we have owners that want to send their horses away. And, you know, of course, it's a, a concern. Um, and we need to... We're never going to be like New South Wales or Victoria, but we need to try and just keep up the pace. Otherwise, we'll, uh, everything's getting so dear, David, staff. Um, I, I just notice every, everything, feed, everything's going up and up and up. So it, uh, if you want to keep owners in this, we've got to keep up with the prize money. Exactly right. And, and uh, the, the point you say, I'm interested there. I don't know what your staffing situation is. Is it, is it hard getting staff these days? I've been in business 50 years. I've never seen it so bad. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very important point. I mean, we're seeing this right across the board in society. I mean, you go to restaurants and the like, and they're having, having trouble getting staff. But that's a good point you make from the racing point of view. What, what can we do about it? What's, what's, is there a solution or what is the solution? Mm, no, a bit above my pay level, I think. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm working harder than I ever have. So, look, I don't, I don't know what the solution is. Um... We used to get a lot of kids in that from out west, you know, but they they don't seem to come anymore. Um, whether there's not, you know, there used to be a lot more racing, I suppose, out there. But um, I don't know what the solution is, David. To be honest, um, um, but we're 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 struggling with staff everywhere. Mm, no, point point well taken. Just on that prize money as well, uh, you know, I think the point is well made that. It's all right, you know, introducing slot races here, there and everywhere and increasing feature race prize money. The bottom line is, the bottom line is, you know, for most of the 52 weeks of the year, the races, the most you know, frequently run races are metropolitan bread and butter Saturday races, those $75,000 races. And that figure, I think, has to be looked at above anything else for the moment. I'm sure a lot of trainers and owners would agree with that because they're the ones... You know, having the horse in for most of the year in those sort of races. Yeah, 100%. We, we've got to get that up. You know, so I'd have an all these big prize money races, you know, the Stroud, but they normally get one from the Southerners. So um, we have to, to get our midweek prize money up and our Saturday prize money up. Appreciate your time this morning and to continue the good work, mate. Thanks for that. Thanks, guys. Kelly Schweder joining us this morning, discussing about Majestic Colour, but a few other uh, points as well, and points well made, I feel, in terms of, of prize money levels and, and also the concern with staffing levels. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, as you mentioned, uh, David, it's an issue right across society. I reckon the pandemic's had a bit to do with it. I mean, there was a fair bit of free money, wasn't there, handed out by the government during the pandemic, and I think people's working patterns changed everywhere. Um, you know, the work-from-home sort of mentality. I mean, obviously, you can't work from home in racing, but, um, you know, we're living in a new world uh, at the moment. But uh, talking of money... He didn't tell you this, but Kelly Schweder had a little bit of a win yesterday. He was uh, looking at a $200 fine from stewards for a late declaration of a rider. He said, I'm going to fight this. Anyway, he came out and he got $100 taken off. He was very, very happy, almost as happy as uh, when he won the main race. He uh, 
Yeah, I don't know where that $100 was going, but he was a happy man. Um, it will be interesting to see where this horse heads uh, because, you know, first campaign, two runs of the summer were, were so-so, but as he said, he was a work in progress and we've seen a very good campaign. You can't do any better. Four starts, four wins. He goes for a break now. Um, comes back as a four-year-old, it will be interesting to see what level he can go to. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think, you know, we've got to be fair, I think it was a fairly weak Winks Guineas. Having said that, uh, the runner-up, Tyrex, who had previously clashed with Majestic Colour, uh, gee, was good. Um, you know, was was wide and, and storm time was never going to beat the winner. But I think first and second, uh, Majestic Colour and Tyrex uh, have got a future. Not sure about the rest of the field. Battleton was so-so. Uh, the $3 favourite, uh, you know, he obviously goes well. Maybe the heavy track just took a bit of spring out of his legs. I think that's a, will be a common refrain this morning, talking about horses who went poorly or disappointingly. You might just have to be a little forgiving because on that testing track, they may not have been suited and maybe battled and fall, fell into that category because he had a fairly comfortable run up near the, up near the lead and he was the first god. He, he he folded the tent pretty smartly in the straight. But all honours with majestic colour. But for my way of thinking, a really honourable mention to Tarix. I think Laurie Mayfield-Smith's got a, a nice three-year-old, early, coming up early season, four-year-old in the making there. Let's go to the next feature. This is the Tam Glasshouse, the feature sprint at listed level. And like so many races yesterday, they make nearly every horse in the race. It was uh, an open betting race. Buffalo River was the $4.60 favourite, but he missed the start. Around the turn, 4.50 left to run. Holyfield scouting wide, joined by Buffalo River, who's worked hard to get there, then Nick and over. Majestic shot getting up to the inside, then last chance, Hilo. Running on fairly well, Zenifer. And Legay Soleil is coming with a huge run right down the outside. Soon afterwards, Buffalo River under Stege. Legay Soleil on the outside and Zenifer, they reach the lead. Legay Soleil the outside, Zenifer the inside. Zenifer and Legay Soleil, they're fighting it out from Hilo and Charlize. On the inside, Zenifer just in front. Legay Soleil trying hard. Legay Soleil got up and beat Jennifer. Charlie's third. Fourth over the line was Hilo. Followed then by Salatine. A gap in the field of Buffalo River. Then Holyfield. Majestic shot. Nick and over. Last chance. Willow Tito faced Os and Gaspodin. Last over the line in 126.74. Okay, Soleil was uh, the medium of very, very strong betting support. Just taking you through what happened yesterday uh, when we previewed the meeting on, on Select Racing. She was at $26, but I arrived at the track, she was 21 Then, of course, the next wave of money is, is with the fluctuations on the QAP, the Queensland official price. Open at 12 in to run $7. So, as I said, the medium of very, very good support. Sat back, let it all unfold, and then unleashed down the outside to beat a very brave Xenifer. Charlie's third and Hilo in fourth position. Going to have a chat with Larry Cassidy. He's, he's with us now. Larry, good morning. Yes, good morning, David. Well, uh, I was going to say Shades of Winks in 2015. I suppose the yeah. only similarity is that you came from a long way back and down the outside. But <laughs> yeah. but, but tell us with this, this mare, obviously two things. She handled the conditions extremely well and you were happy in the run even though you were a long way back. Yeah, that's right. I uh, Obviously, I, I went back and watched, um, watched a few of her races and, and I always go back to if they haven't won for a little while, to go back to see when they won and how they won and and um, sort of just worked it out that she gets back and they, they tend to sort of get to the outside on her and make her... Make she seems to be able to make a long, sustained run. And, um, you know, I sort of just worked that out and um, I wasn't expecting to be, you know, sort of, uh, you know, two lengths last early. Um, 
I thought I'd sort of be tacked on and maybe have one or two behind me, but I, I, I felt that they were going pretty quick, even though they were very bunched. So um, didn't really panic. And um, the main thing was just in, I had in my head just make sure you get to the outside and get a roll in sort of from the um, you know five six hundred metre mark because she can sustain a run and and she loved the track even cantering her, cantering her down to the start. You know, she gave me a great feel. Probably the ideal um, sort of horse to be on in a glass house too, Larry, because they generally go like the clappers, don't they? It's generally a race where there is a lot of speed. So you, you must have thought that pre-race too, that you could just sit back and smoke your pipe and, and hopefully finish over the top of them. Yeah, that's right, Ben. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, like, of course, uh, you know, like I said, they went quick and um, and obviously it was sort of favouring getting out getting out wide to the uh, crown of the track because that, that track was very testing yesterday. Yes, it certainly was. Just on tracks too, just on a broader point, you know, we read form guides, we, we, we watch races and we see heavy eight Doombin, heavy eight Sunshine Coast, but you're riding on all of these tracks. And Is it fair to say that you know, a heavy eight at one track can be totally different to a heavy eight at another? Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, and uh, you, know, and you look at Ipswich the other day and that was totally, at Ipswich Cup day and that was totally different again. Um, look, the, it, it's not really the um, people maintaining the tracks fault at the moment. It's just the it's you know the weather we've had this year. The tracks haven't really recovered and been able to dry. And like we only had twenty or twenty eight mils yesterday, and they went from a good four to a well, it was probably a heavy ten. Um, and that just shows you the water table is very high. So it's not taken much to make the tracks very wet. So. Uh, you know, we we need a lot of dry weather to get the tracks back to um, you know back to you know great racing surfaces. But like I say, it's uh, any little bit of rain, the tracks are becoming very wet and um, very tacky or you know gluey uh, and or sort of just very crusty from the top. Now Peter Ty uh, was obviously there yesterday. Debbie Capetus. Um, flew up from Sydney for a special function, sort of, uh, you know, uh, given it was Winks Guineas Day. Did you, did you get me? I know you were busy riding, but did, did you get much of a chance to chew the fat with those two at all? And you know, there's probably plenty of happy memories for you there, isn't there? Like, yes. you, especially Debbie. Did you get a chance to, to say good day to Debbie? No, I, I didn't see Debbie, but um, I, I had a chat to Peter, and um, yeah, we had a bit of a chat, and uh, uh, but I didn't didn't actually realise Debbie was there. No. What about your other winner earlier in the day, Renouf? Um, like Legay Soleil, was at the back of the bus and you actually navigated the path closer to the inside here to get her home. Yes, yeah, she, she's a she's a nice mare, she is. Um, you know, I've sort of always sort of I've watched her because she sort of strung a couple of wins together earlier on and that was my first ride on her, but I'd sort of always noticed that she used to over-race. And, um, yeah, surprisingly, like yesterday, she, she sort of jumped and then I, I didn't have really any speed, so... Um, oh, again, I was sort of picking that I was going to be fifth or sixth in the run. Um, but sort of found myself a bit further back and um, realised I couldn't get right to the outside. But I think I was wide enough for that part of the day um, where I was sort of just on the um, sort of lower slight side of the crown. Um, and she was able to really finish off strongly. We're drawing towards the end of the season. I think there's eight Metropolitan meetings left. Um, you've been riding here for several years now. Uh, your competition, your rivals, is it as strong as it's been for some time? Yeah, I think so. It's 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 very competitive. Um, yeah, um, you know, Jimmy Orman's riding riding well, you know, riding brilliantly, I should say. Um, you know, and you got Jimmy Byrne, 
um, Ryan Maloney and the, the apprentices, um, two very good apprentices. So, yeah, it, it's it's very competitive. Um, you know, my, myself, I yeah, I don't really ride for the any of the big stables. I, I ride for half a dozen sort of smaller stables, and um, that's probably where I lack the opportunities. But um, yeah, I just pot away and do my best, and yeah, pop up here and there and take take a field of scraps. <laughs> well, they were nice scraps <laughs> yesterday. There was a listed yeah, scrap with Legay Soleil and, and Relief. Hey, thanks for joining us this morning, Larry. Always good to talk to you. That my pleasure. Thank you. There is Larry Cassidy joining us for riding double yesterday, Legay Soleil and Renouf. Yes, Legay Soleil won, beating me. My money was on Xenifer. I thought I might have had it, but she just edged clear late and Charlize doing well in third, Hilo in fourth. Uh, this was a, a, a great case in point of uh, morning line markets altering with the, the conditions, even though at the start of the morning we knew Holyfield wouldn't be as effective on a heavy eight. Once it became a heavy 10, they still elected to run him, but uh, he was beaten eight lengths, so the market reflected $4 out to eight. Yeah, absolutely. What do we make of Salatine? I've got to say, I've had a long-standing love affair with her, uh, but I'm just slowly, slowly fooling. I'm not completely out of love with her, but I'm just slowly falling out of love with her. Yes. She, she's run fifth. She, you know, she hasn't disgraced herself, uh, but I know Tony Gollan liked her yesterday. Maybe didn't get the ideal run, but... Yeah, maybe I'm clutching at straws there. And these horses must have minds. This Buffalo River, uh, I went through his entire CV um, uh, here in Australia. Always a good beginner, on the lead, in the lead, very good on, on rate-affected tracks. He missed the start of the Stradbroke. Everyone thought he'd be the pace in the Stradbroke. He missed the kick. Missed the kick again yesterday, twice in a row now, and, and uh, it really affects his racing pattern. Then Jimmy Byrne allowed him to, to stride forward. His run under the circumstances wasn't that bad. He did a lot of work to get where he did, but he, he knocked up late. He was probably entitled to him, but he's missed the start twice now. I don't know where most of these horses, and most of these horses yesterday, Ben, too, it's sort of their grand finals because we've come to the end of the carnival, so it's, for most of them it's probably time for a break. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, look, I suppose let's not forget this was the last race of the day, so this is probably the the worst of the worst going, wasn't it? So... Look, I mean, there are, you know, there's a significant difference, isn't there, between, say, a heavy eight and a heavy ten, and this was probably on the worse side of a heavy ten by the time oh, we got to this race. The, the, it is a big difference, and, and as Larry agreed to, their difference with tracks as well, and, and I think he makes the, the point that they're just taking so long to dry out, and even though you might have a fine day and fine, you know, two weeks, they've still got that gluey uh, uh, feel about them. Ipswich is a, a good case in point. Larry mentioned Kyle Wilson-Taylor as a very good apprentice. There's no doubting that. Let's have a listen to his win on Lime Soda in the fourth race. In the straight below the 400 metres, Conglomerator led the way from Princess Bojack, putting it to him now. They're followed by Soul Spirita. Lime Soda was out wider. Wes and Ashani Sniper trying to bustle through. Princess Bojack got the lead. Conglomerate gone, but Lime Soda pounces quickly. Soon afterwards, Lime Soda went to Princess Bojack, sailed away, and she'll go back-to-back -back within a week. Lime Soda too good. Beat home Princess Bojack. That feels better. Got going again in a photo for third with Soul Spirit. Not much in that. Not another behind them. Then Mashani Sniper, Michelle, Sharjah, conglomerate in a brick wall early in the straight of the Rockwell scale. Last one home in 60 and 61. Lime Soda, she went to the Gold Coast last Saturday, beat her rivals comfortably, ran good time there, and she backed up in the seven, within the seven days and tramps them again yesterday. Kyle Wilson-Taylor was the rider. He's our next guest. Kyle, good morning. Good morning. 
How did that feel yesterday? You always seem to be in the right part of the track and, and, and in a good position. It looked good in the run, and she let down well late. Yeah, she did. Um, she, she, she's uh, been a promising horse sort of since day one, and um, we had an awkward draw, but the initial field suggested there was going to be a lot of speed and um, it was going to work out probably in our favour. But when all the scratchings come out, it sort of wasn't really worrying, but it was just sort of going to be awkward where we got to. And, um, you know, I just try not to panic and just sort of let her flow to wherever she was going to be. And probably the track being the way it was suited um, where we ended up and she was just too good for them. She's obviously a bit uh, bit quirky, Kyle. I spoke to Mark Curry about her after the race. He said she, she's got the longest tongue he's ever seen on a horse. He said you put the tongue tie on and it's still you know, here, there and everywhere. And he also said track work-wise, he reckons he could run alongside her and beat her. But something just sort of seems to switch her on on race day. She must be slow track work if you, uh, <laughs> if you think she can run next to it. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't really take much uh, notice of her tongue. But, yeah, she is a bit quirky. Like, on the way to the gate, she was sort of having a look around and sort of kept her close to the rail because I thought she might shy at something and dump me. But um, she um, – and even even going past the line, she she was um, – it was quite soft. She was happy to have a look around and whatnot. And and to be honest, I don't know whether she actually handled the surface that well. So um, it was a, it was a good performance. Now you've had a good day with the double, but gee whiz, uh, it could have been some sort of day for you, couldn't it? You've run second on Tarex in the Guineas, third in the Glasshouse on Charlize, and I think third in the two-year-old on Catwalk uh, Criminal. Uh, and and there was I think there was a narrow second as well earlier in the day. Edit, edit. That's right. Uh, it could have been anything for you yesterday, really, couldn't it? So, I mean, did you go home happy or did you go home kicking the cat? No, I was, um, I was, I was happy. Uh, I haven't won a black tight race yet, so, um, and I didn't when I, I was actually quite wide on the tarek. So when I, I only had a couple to get past, and I actually didn't see Jimmy Orman on the winner out in front, and I, um, when I when I got past, I was. Had to get past the second horse at the time. I thought, oh, here we go. I'm going to win my, you know, my first group race. So I was pretty, I was getting pretty pumped. And then I seen Jimmy, and I was a bit flat. But um, you know, he was, he was really good. And and Charlize, uh, you know, she she needed a bit of luck and and run a good third. But um, it's getting closer. And I was just going to be patient. But um, it was a good day. We, we rode we rode a couple of winners, and uh, I don't think we made too many mistakes. And um, yeah, we come home smiling. You said it's getting closer. I'll tell you what else is getting closer. The end of the racing season, we've got eight Metropolitan meetings left. You you rode two winners yesterday, so you're on 53 and a half, I think, if my, my figures are right. And Jaden rode one. He's on 49. So you've got the advantage. Now you've got to try and maintain it. Yeah, there's still plenty of water to go under the bridge uh, between now and the end of the season. And um, you know, Jaden's been a very good competitor this far, and it's been very hard for me to, you know, he he, he had a quite a, a good break on me, and it's been quite hard to reel him in, and and now to put a few on him um, is good, but um, you know, he, he, I can't, you can't underestimate him. He's a very good rider, and he's got the backing of um, a very good stable in the O'Day stable. So, um, you know, I'm gonna have to beat my best to the end of the season to beat him, um, and. Um, I'm just going to keep my head down and my bum up and, and, and hopefully that does happen. I'm actually more interested in next season for you, Kyle. I reckon you're going to have some fascinating conversations over the dinner table with your partner, Angela Jones, kicking off as an apprentice with uh, Tony Collin, uh, Tony Gollan, initially with 
that three kilos, there'll be some interesting times there for you, won't there? <laughs> I'm sure you're both, you're both highly competitive. Oh, yeah, we're, we're very, very competitive. Um, Angela's a, a great rider and, and she's going to, you know, make her mark next season in town without any, without any doubt. She's very good and, um, but don't, don't worry about it right the next season in town. We're very competitive now, even, uh, you know, she, she's happy to try rough me up in a race, um, you know, <laughs> to win one. So, um, you know, yeah, she, she's a, she's a good competitive rider and, and she rides, uh, you know, ahead of her years. That's for sure. How do you do with your weight? Do you ride comfortably at 53? Uh, in all honesty, probably not comfortably. It's, um, it's a bit of a battle because I am quite tall. Um, but you know, it's what we do. It's what we sign up for, and um, you know, I knew I always knew it was going to be, it was going to be tough. But um, you know, it's, it, I love it. You know, I wouldn't choose any. I love racing. It's, um, yeah, it's all I love really. It, I don't really do much else. It's, uh, um, and, and sometimes, as much as I hate the grind to lose the weight and whatnot, I sort of embrace it and enjoy it. Good on you, mate. We remember apprentices' battles. We go back to the times of like Zach Purton and, and Michael Rod. That's almost two decades ago, but and we've seen how, how they've gone since. But uh, you and Jaden are in a, a good battle for that last month, so it'll provide a lot of theatre for us. But keep keep up the good work, and thanks for being with us this morning. Yeah, thank you for having me on, guys. Kyle Wilson Taylor joining us. He leads the apprentices Metro Premiership. He's running fourth in the the overall title as well. Uh, Jimmy Orman. 69 and a half, Jimmy Burns 63 and a half. That gap is just increasing bit by bit. I think Auburn will win. Yeah, 100%. Uh, just on Cole Wilson Taylor quickly. Gee, present, presents well, I reckon. Like, even just coming on this show for a kid who's only been in town for, you know, for a year or two, really, a uh, fairly young guy. Gee, he, he presents well to owners, he presents well to the media. That's only a small part of the story, I know. You've got to be a good writer first and foremost, but it's important. It's it important, is important, but, isn't it? Yeah, so, 100%. Uh, good on him. He's a credit to himself and uh, mature beyond his years, I think. Of course, uh, congratulations to Mark Curry with Lime Soda. This horse uh, was originally with uh, Toby and Trent Edmonds. It was went through the, the broodmare sale, or the, the, the mare sale at the Magic Millions, I think back in late May. Uh, Realised 170000 and Mark's got her now, and she's going uh, terrifically. Kyle's other win was fast talking in the first race for David Van Dyke and pushed forward and was too good for them. Yeah, absolutely. Just a little bit of news from the Mark Curry stable. Spoke to him yesterday. Socks are gone. Uh, you know, he raced very well, disappointing in the straight break, going for a bit of surgery, a bit of clean-up surgery on his uh, legs. Will be out for a couple of months, nothing too serious. Hoping to come back and get a slot uh, for that Toowoomba, I uh, forget what they call it, King of the Hill. King of the uh, Mountain. The King of the Mountain, that's it. Mountain. So socks are gone. Uh, going in for a bit of clean-up surgery tomorrow, but uh, hopefully nothing too serious. I don't know what you'll be if you're a mayor and you win the King of the Mountain. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't get that. No, I can tell you one thing. I won't be going up there on New Year's Eve. <laughs> I'll be watching it on TV. Actually, I think I'm on holidays anyway. I might be, <laughs> I might be in Melbourne, but leave me out of going to Toowoomba on New Year's Eve. The Calandra Cup, the prize money was lifted to 300000 this year. The Lansborough Hotel uh, were the sponsors of the Calandra Cup and was a listed event. Let's have a listen to the replay. La Donda V was always the favourite, went off at $4.40. In the straight, though, look at LaDonda V up outside of Arapahoe. Pampolino boxing away in the centre. They race away from Alakahan and then London Banker, but LaDonda V, class will tell of the cup. It'll tell with a capital C. LaDonda V scorching away from Arapahoe and Pampolino, and LaDonda V was far too good for them. LaDonda V first. 
second Arapahoe, third Papalino, fourth Alakahan. And they're coming in at long intervals, then London Baker, Street Dancer, followed by Bartholomew Diaz. Then came at the head of the others, Seat of Power, Sweet Thomas, Swords Drawn, Dunhill, Spencer, and a long and weary last Winston Blue, and one just in front of it was I Ponder. Yeah, 78 lengths from first to last when the judge called a halt, but Ladon de Vez, we were mentioning on radio yesterday, you, know, you look at the form, you know, um, Geelong Cup, Hotham Handicap, Metropolitan, won that race first up, beat Tuvalu, who's flying, and uh, never got into the Q22, but was way, way back, but this was a different ball game yesterday, and he'd won that Warnable Cup on a soft seven, which was nearly a heavy eight, but he probably hadn't been tested on a heavy ten, but Class did come through here. Yeah, and kudos to Nashville Willer as well. I mean, there's so many other big-name jockeys, which Nashville Willer is, uh, on holidays at the moment, overseas, which they're perfectly entitled to do. Everyone want, you know, everyone enjoys a holiday. But Nash said, no, 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 I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going up to Caliandra uh, for this meeting. He could have easily taken uh, a week or two off, had a, a good book of rides. Uh, and his plan looked even better, didn't it, when Sydney was called off? I mean, he could have been riding in Sydney. Um, you know, that was called off and... But you know what? He's a great family man, Nash. I just went up to him and said, look, uh, you know, nice win here. He said, oh, yeah. He said, but my boy Campbell, he's ridden two winners at Murray Bridge today. So, you know, he's very much taking note uh, of what his boy's doing, even when he's riding big race winners. And he was also very kind and generous with his time. He was the guest of the, the Calcutta, the, the uh, Tab Calcutta at the Sunshine Coast on Friday as well. So uh, a deserved win there with LaDonna V. I think he's a bit misunderstood, Nash Willer. People see him on race day. And he's a bit grumpy. He sort of looks right through you. But I can tell you why that is. He just wastes so much weight just to get down to a riding weight. So he's like a shadow of himself. So it wouldn't matter if you're the Prime Minister or who you were. He'd sort of be the same. So I think I think he's slightly misunderstood, Nashville. It's, it's funny you say that. I've seen him interviewed here locally and... I watch it. I'd be a bit scared interviewing him because he he doesn't he doesn't present super friendly. But I get where you're coming from. It's, it's a good point. Let's have a listen to some of the other uh, feature races yesterday. The two-year-old, the Bruce McLaughlin Classic, uh, again a wide-open betting affair, and this is where Jaden Lloyd uh, won his race on the McNolan Train Northern Express. Kaz Rock led the way from Al Pal's gun on the outside. Catwalk Criminal diving back towards the inside. Here's Northern Express unleashing with a big run and Corf Castle running on strongly as well. Oh, on the outside, Northern Express pounced quickly and booted away. It's all over, Northern Express from Catwalk Criminal. Billionaire Baby runs on strongly, but Northern Express trotted in. Won easily. Beat home Billionaire Baby and Catwalk Criminal. Corf Castle. Kaz Rock knocked up, then Spooky Spirit. Al Pal's gal heroic son. Spirit of Milan and Sneaky starter last over the line in 60.18. He's a better than ready youngster who's now won four from eight and, uh, of course, a previous heavy track winner at, uh, at Ipswich. So the, the, um, the he was there to handle the prevailing conditions and that he did. And again, one sitting back or like you know, several winners yesterday, sitting back and sweeping down the centre. Yeah, very strong win. Uh, gave nothing else a chance. Won by two and a half lengths. I certainly think there's a future with this catwalk criminal, though, this Adam... Campton Galloper just I don't think uh, just talking to him pre-race was going to be completely suited on that track and just sort of got stuck on the wrong part of the track as well was sort of you know I think balked for a run at one point and then sort of went up the inside so got beaten two and a half lengths so you know it was never in winning contention but uh, I think could have a nice future there as well and uh, I think speaking of good futures the runner-up billionaire babies fits the the bill as well won't be a maiden for long two very good runs so far you know I was just thinking we're stupid sometimes you and I what do, you we, mean, what do you mean sometimes? Well, we had that interview with Larry Cassidy. We forgot to ask him about Go Wanji.
Yeah, of course. Who Great Monji. Who won on Wednesday, which he was expected to do, but it would have been interesting to get his thoughts. We'll do that another time. You know what? I love Tom Dougal. Absolutely love him. But I'd just love to see him raise the bar a bit for this horse because he's got an exciting turn of foot, hasn't he? And I can understand the way he's placing him. Were you I, there Wednesday? Yeah, I was there Wednesday. Did he say Maybe where he's headed with them next? Just going through the grades, David. <laughs> <laughs> just taking the conservative approach. He's having a lot of fun with it with, with his dad as well. The third race of the day, only a small field here, and we had uh, a betting clash between Kingston's here at 2.10 and Goldsboro at $2.70. They round the turn, 4.20 left to Rana and uh, Mort Doyle cutting the corner went to the tenner, still there Phantom Spirit Archer's Paradox outside that trio Goldsboro comes up outside the four of them Kingston's here, making heavy weather of it and going absolutely nowhere unlike Goldsboro, giving its head goes to Archer's Paradox and she's in for the fight, Cartwright pulled the shillelagh on Archer's Paradox, Goldsboro's trying hard, they're head and head, neck and neck Goldsboro on the outside doing a little better now, Goldsboro got the upper hand pulled away, won by a length from Archer's Paradox and Phantom Spirit. Then Mort Doyle followed second last by the tenor. And Keeson's here. Fair to say, didn't handle a one iota, didn't pass one, ran last. Yeah, the call sums it up. Got beat eight lengths and was, was gone as they turned for home. Yeah, I actually was standing next to Jaden Lloyd when he, he delivered his post-race sort of uh, summary to uh, Matt Hoysett. He said the wheels were spinning, spinning, spinning a very long way from home. thought Archer's Paradox was very brave in, in defeat here. But lovely little uh, win for uh, Gary Duncan. Uh, about a year since he had that heart attack in the tie-up stalls at, at Dooman. Uh, where his life literally flashed before his eyes. He was at their store. That's how serious it was. I spoke to him briefly about it after this race, about his health. He said, look, uh, you know, everything's going along nicely. The, the health's good. Don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but, you know, I feel healthy and, and life's going well. So good on them. And nearly pulled off a good double with Xenifer just being beaten by Legay Soleil in the glass house. Let's go to our final replay. This was the Provincial Sprinters' final, and again, it was a good betting race. Below the 400 metres, a mystified Evan Keeter in the lead. Bonaparte challenging strongly. Getting run up on the inside with a strong run now is Edit. They're followed by a maximum output. Kosciuszko, Red Ruby certainly doing nothing. Edit was the leader narrowly for mystified M. Bonaparte is trying hard. Renouf getting going all of a sudden. Here's a good finish coming up. Edit is kicking on strongly. Edit just in front. Renouf made a dive and beat it. Renouf got up and beat Edit right on the line. Mr. Vinem third, Bonaparte fourth. They're followed then by Bar None, Keita, Maximum Output, Kosciuszko, Red Ruby did nothing. Then Festival Prince, Wellback, Dreamtimer, Foreign Territory, and out towards the tail, Blue Kentucky Moon. Photo finish. Yes, Renouf got the judges not here from Edit and Mr. Vinem. Red Ruby, I think another one like a, a, a stablemate. Kingston's here. Flandered in the going was never a factor, and... Uh, she finished a bit worse in midfield. But Paul Jenkins trains Renouf the first three races yesterday going to local trainers. Uh, David Van Dyke, Paul Jenkins, and then, of course, Jack Duncan winning the third race. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this mare's really thrived since coming to Queensland. I, I remember her early days running around in sort of country Victoria, getting beaten out of sight at places like Matoa and these sort of places. So, um, yeah, terrific win. Gee, I thought... Uh, Cole Wilson Taylor was home on edit. Looked absolutely home for all money, but um, yeah, just got on the post. Grabbed in the last few strides. Punchura won the last race, and uh, I must give my colleague Michael Maxworthy a good rap here. He didn't tip it on top, but he tipped it second, but he freely uh, expressed his opinion that he thought it was a great value chance. I think they bet $51, but uh, started $20 for Barry Ball, but a Mark Duplessis, and one like, as they say, a 6-4 to four chance. Sat on the speed, strolled away on straightening, and that was the end of the penny section. 
Let's take a break here on Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. We'll come back and listen to some of the highlights on the Winter Finals Day at Flemington. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. If you're going to the races at Bar Calder tomorrow, you're not going now because that meeting has been called off due to the, the state of the track. And, uh, of course, we had uh, rain over the past 48 hours. It seems to have cleared now. In fact, it certainly is cleared in Brisbane, but not so at uh, Bar Calder in terms of the track conditions. So that meeting is off. Well, Rose Hill only had half the program yesterday, five of the ten, uh, but we had a, a complete card at Flemington, and this is always a good day in July. It's the, the, the finals day and some good racing. Let's go to the winner championship, and Tuvalu, very promising time, was the well-backed $2.20 favourite. Tuvalu the leader, 300 metres to go by a length and a half, so Sibon, mystery shot, high stranger then Sir Davy and further back Paul's regret, but still Tuvalu 150 metres to go three lengths in front of Sir Davy out late chasing, but Tuvalu is clear, and Tuvalu won the winter championship from Sir Davy, mystery shot, Luna Flare up for four then Frankie Pino and winning partner from Edison Dawn Patrol high stranger, Serpentine, Paul's regret so Sibon looks like Elvis Mohi and Heights and Credence was last to complete. They'll play the patience game with Tuvalu. I think they pull up stumps after yesterday and look towards the railway stakes uh, at uh, Ascot later in the year. Lindsay Smith trains. Jared Fry rated him beautifully in front. He's a good four-year-old this one with his rising five-year-old and the record shows it's seven wins now from 11 starts. That's a group one horse, isn't it? I mean, not the potentially top, not the top level group one horse, but potentially, uh, you know, just with that progression. And Lindsay Smith uh, plays his horses very well. He's no fool. Uh, if he's looking at going over uh, for a group one over in his former home state in Perth, you know, you know, uh, he thinks he's got something pretty special in his yeah. arsenal. It could be deja vu, of course, because Bill Andrews, a part owner of Tuvalu, and of course, won the the race with Scales of Justice a few years ago. He's had. Uh, as I said, 11 starts for seven wins. He's been second on four occasions. Two of those seconds were behind I'm Thunderstruck. So there's a, there's great form lines there. But he certainly uh, stamped himself as um, a group prospect too uh, after that win yesterday. Let's go to race seven. Now, the Santa Ana Lane final for the Sprinters up the straight. They divided into two brackets. Onto the course proper, 450 metres to go. Over on the far side, Serious Suspect lets down and lets over to excel under the whip and then Ocean Beyond, William Thomas. Up this side, Zach DeBoss in front of Sartorial Splendor, then Fluorescent Star as they reach the clock tower. 200 to go over on the far side. Serious Suspect led that division by four lengths. On the near side, at Sartorial Splendor and Zach DeBoss outside might just have it. It's over on the far side. Serious Suspect going really well, though, and Serious Suspect is going to win it from a photo between Fluorescent Star, Sartorial Splendor and Zach DeBoss and then William Thomas Crestani in company with Ocean Beyond and well back then was Miss Albania and Sava 2XL was at the end of the field. He's rising eight. It was his ninth win yesterday, but he does have a good affinity with the, the, the Flemington 1,200 metres. That was his fourth win at the track and trip. Yeah, nice race for him. I think uh, just going to the inside there was a, a winning move. I think he's a horse who doesn't really like sort of, you know, racing in you know, restricted room around other horses. He just likes wide open spaces, and that's exactly what he got there yesterday. The Banjo-Patterson final. Mimi's award was first past the post from Mon Behair, but it didn't end there.
So horrifying, kick for home. 350 metres to go. Sprinted three lengths. Mimi's award, Monbaher. And then don't doubt Dory, Pesto and Saunder Boy. It's horrifying. 200 metres to go. Mimi's award is chasing hard. Then Monbaher. It's horrifying. Getting tired. 100 to go. Mimi's award slowly but surely. Horrifying. Curling up. Mimi's award and Monbaher's lifting as well. They reach the line. Mimi's. Mimi's award has beaten Monbaher. Horrifying and Pesto. Then St Eustace Saunder Boy from don't doubt Dory. A gap in the field. Tara Mansour, then Saracen Knight, and Maserati Bays dropped right out and finished a long last. Well, Mimi's award got home by a half a head over Monbehair, but the result was reversed in the stewards' room. It was a weird one, wasn't it? I mean, Brett Perable was only convinced into protesting, I think, when the the you know the owner approached him, and, and not even the trainer had sort of you know, watching the race live really knew there'd been interference. But I mean, I think watching it in the what unfolded in the stewards' room and the, the head-on vision. I think the, surely the right decision was made. There was a bit of um, uh, controversy is the wrong word, but sort of a colourful moment post-race too when, mm. uh, well, after the line, should I say, uh, when Brett, Brett Preble actually gave Blake McDougall a bit of a slap on the back straight after the line. The stewards actually inquired into it and found there was no malice or, you know, nothing, no, nothing bad going on, but they sort of warned him not to do it again. So, look, just competitive... Competitive fun, I'd suggest between between the jockeys, but um, but yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Not too many times you see a protest upheld where the jockey wasn't sort of convinced and the the trainer wasn't convinced. But once they entered the room, both were convinced. I think you had a look at the video, Preble, and, and gave himself a fifty fifty chance. So you may as well go for it. Thank you for your cameo appearance this morning. When am I back on again? Two thousand and twenty eight. No, or? you're back on July the thirty first. Because what happens is next week. We wrap things right up. Nathan will be back. And then uh, we have a two-week break on Past the Post. And then we resume on July 31st. And I'm with you and you're with me right through the spring. How good. I can't wait. Can you handle it? I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it already. Good on you, mate. Thanks for this morning. Thanks, And and, uh, uh, Ben will join us on Press Room tomorrow morning. Hopefully you'll join me as well then. Thanks for your company this morning, though. You have a good day. We'll speak soon. Bye-bye.